This is Death Before Dishonor. I'm Genesee. My character is Anatari. She's a good aligned Kalishtar war priest. I'm Daniel. This symbol is renowned for being associated with the Rod of Orcus, the artifact that I'm after. I'm Eric. My, my name is, is Cesar. I was a, a slave worker for the uh, undead armies of Thay for 75 years. And I'm Tinzian. Shall we start this over again? <laughs> One of the beauties of D&D. Can't end the story. Goes anywhere you want it. Welcome to Death Before Dishonor. My name is Genesee, and this is another special snippet, which will allow you to hear, uh, we have Cesar and we have Sabre, who are going to talk a little bit about their character with Tinzian. It's kind of a short snippet uh, while I am away and a chance for you to get to know some of the background story for some of the characters. Hope you enjoyed the one last week with Thorn and some of our listeners getting to know kind of questions they had for him, um, their opinions on the show, and some background on Thorn as well. Uh, next week should resume our regular episodes. I know you're eager to hear what happened in the middle of our drama. And everyone will be back together. So I believe I have resolved, finally, some of the issues for streaming for those who have been in the chat room. Uh, unfortunately, the solid state drive on my hard drive died a few days ago, and uh, Tinzian was able to rebuild it generously um, with a new one. He actually had to replace the drive. Uh, my D drive was still fine. And in doing that, I've decided to reinstall Windows 7 because Windows 8 uh, seems to be super buggy and not compatible with Skype very well. So the last times we've tried to stream on Twitch, we've had a lot of crashes, had to abandon the show uh, once or twice as well. So hopefully now with Windows 7, things will be stable. We'll be able to show you video and cam, and you can watch this next episode live if you choose to. 10.30 Eastern Time on twitchtv.com slash genesee. It's also streaming on htl.com, uh, holdtheline.com. If you are a member of Hold the Line, or if you just want to go to that site, same deal. Um, but through Twitch, you can watch the, the new episode if you're impatient to hear what happens. Otherwise, it'll be out on Monday as usual. So uh, join us if you care to, and I hope you enjoy this snippet with Cesar and Sabre. This is Death to Four Dishonor for March the 22nd, 2013. I'm Tinzian, and I'm joined by Cesar and Sabre for this little snippet episode that we're going to do. Genesee is in Boston at PAX East this weekend, and Thorne is either at work or hopefully asleep. But uh, <laughs> Probably bitten by a spider. Us. He may join us later. Um, what we thought we'd do just for this portion is Thorne last week got to talk about his character quite a lot during the interview that we had with uh, Lisa and Phil. And I thought it would be kind of interesting for the rest of the cast to get their chance to offer some bits and pieces and insight into their character. We're not going to go into any deep spoilers or, um, you know, behind the scenes stuff too much, but it's just a general sense of as you're listening to the character, what their motivations might be. And I think since it's been a while since we've heard from Cesar, I'll give you the floor there. Ah, hello, I'm Cesar. 
And the floor is mine. <laughs> it has been a while, hasn't it, guys? It has. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not, all, we're not all charged up from having the opening music and everything. I know. And oh, uh, by the way, a rabbits podcast will be uh, rabbit uh, rabbits um, recap will be out soon as well. Oh yeah, that's coming out. Well, everybody's sort of turning one corner or another with the the introduction of the paragon paths that we've all selected and i think that it seems like most of us have taken those as an inspiration and and uh sort of building off of those so i'm kind of excited to see where cesar goes with that i thought it was cool i mentioned that i think in a previous episode that there was a class that was or you know path that was so close to what i'd been doing with the the clock specifically the clockwork stuff which i had just been sort of having fun throwing in as flavor i didn't even know it existed um, I toyed a little bit with um, another path of becoming a a warforged bit by bit. Um, I thought that could be cool, but I, I found that first before the clockwork one. That one fit just too well. Um, I mean, in terms of, of where Cesar's going and things like that, I've kind of always been playing it by ear. Um, I never really had a, a goal, you know, an outward goal in mind. I feel like it's better just to play with what we see as we go. I think it's kind of different. He's kind of different than the others in that they all kind of have ties to like some sort of organization or group of, of some sort that's relatively close at hand. But his, the only group he has really a tie to is the, the, uh, the undead back in Thay. And it's not a friendly one at all. It's completely adversarial. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of an overarching driving force, but He's just more living in the moment <clears throat> and uh, just been sort of playing it that way. So, um, I'm, I don't kind know. Su- I'm kind of surprised that Cesar would consider going to be a warforged after all. He's fought so long for his humanity that changing into something else like the undead do. Um, yeah. I thought that would all be kind of anathema to him. Uh, just it's sort of in the in the vein of you know, for the sake of science, kind of donating one's body to science before you're dead, in a sense. I could sort of see that as a, as a driving force. It's, it's less about, you know, what, what they do and just more the reason behind it. And, you know, if, if that was a way for him to, you know, get some more inspiration and uh, in more in depth into the inner workings of things, it could have been a possibility, but I didn't go that way. The other one like a, fit much better. Are you going to be like a a Ford and suddenly have mass production of all these things and send send all this stuff around the world for people to use, or are you conscientious enough that someone may actually take a clockwork army and deploy it against <sighs> innocents? I don't. I don't think he's um, uh, what's the word generous enough. Not he's. You know, still pretty self-serving. He doesn't really see these as, you know, something for the good of the world. Um, you know, he doesn't necessarily, you know, see his, his what he's doing is for, you know, evil at all. But, you know, he's just, you know, it's it's for his own benefit. And he just wants to find things out to find them out. And this is just something that he's exploring and using them as tools and, you know, for, for his own gain. And as, you know, to a certain extent for the gain of, of the party around him. How do you how do you feel about being 
not the leader of the party, but definitely one of the core members. I mean, I don't, I don't think he has, you know, the the general need in him, the the need to to be the the director, the leader. He's, you know, fine with with going along and and being, you know, an integral part of it certainly. But he, um, I don't know. It's it's not really. He's too self. He's too introspective. Too, you know, looks within and and is. In some sense, you know, his his people skills are not as developed just because he's more more focused on the mechanical workings of things. But so it's it's not really something that you know occurs to him as something he needs to strive for. So he's he's happy to to follow along in a sense and you know contribute where he can. Thinking back to the last couple episodes, say maybe the last fifteen. Mm-hmm. Has there been anything that just really sort of shocked his worldview beyond being introspective, forced him to rethink things, maybe fear well, that, something, uh, celebrate something that he didn't know before? That damned uh, here, not there, there, not there drow thing has been vexing him just because he can't figure it out. Um I don't know if it's a fear necessarily as more just a frustration with not being able to get his mind around what's going on and it persisting and, you know, it, it keeps showing up. So it's, it's definitely something that's sort of gotten into his craw. Um, I think that um, being underground for this long, you know, sort of in this enclosed space, he's not a big fan of that. I think he, it's in a sense, kind of an imprisonment in a, in a way. I think that, sort of, you know, on a subconscious level, it's not his, it's not where he'd want to be. He, he likes the opportunity to, to get out. And so I think that that's probably affecting him at this point. Um, Cause you guys are potentially going up against an entire city of drow. Yeah. You don't know mm-hmm. what's really down there. It could just be like a, a small camp or mm-hmm. something, but you guys are, sort of facing a lot of large things. You face the Hand of Orcus, um, yeah. the old Keeper of the Shadowfell. Mm-hmm. Just, is, there, is there a point where he's going to kind of throw up his hands and go, this is just all well too weird? Or I, at this point, he, is it just kind of like whatever? In terms of weird, I think he pretty much embraces the weird. Anything new, anything you know, interesting, you know, any any kind of experience, he's all about experiences at this point as as much as he can. I mean, he, uh, he is, he, he has a sense of self-preservation, but it's, it's always in sort of in it's, you know, combating with that sense of, of wanting to find something new. So I guess it depends on what, what they discover. Um, you know, there might be a point which be like, okay, I'm just going to stand here. You guys can go ahead if you want, but I might just be, you know, I'll I'll wait here. You let me how it goes. I don't know. It depends on on what they come across. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, with with the amount of success they've had, um, there isn't really too much that has put you know given him pause at this point. They've been they've been pretty well successful. Um, I guess Mithrin got taken. Um, so that do- whole battle thing was pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> So you do you do see the party as successful? Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, 
it seems like everything we've we've struck out to do we've succeeded at so far and you know having being a part of of something where like in terms of his life before you know, working against the undead in his own little way. Everything was such, they were, the, the victories that he had were so, so small, so little, like the subverting of certain technology that he'd given them as he was working for them and things like that. It was just little by little. And just, it, it just seems like it, compared to that, he was crawling where now they're, they're soaring like breakneck speed, uh, you know, wherever they want to go. It just feels like they're, they're, you know, they can't lose basically compared to what he experienced before. Now, on, on the same token, you're the only one, I believe, that has met any of the future yous. Uh, I think you met yourself and Xanatari at one point. Yes, I'm. Tr- I, that is true. I'm trying to remember. I don't think anybody else has. No. No. Do you, with your lack of, well, with your dislike of, of being controlled and stuff, do you sort mm. of feel that all these... Events are getting tossed to, or you're kind of puppets on a string, or is this just your own bit and there's just inter- I think he's, intervention? I think he's, it, it helps that the one that he had the main interaction with was himself, because he's egotistical enough to be like, okay, I know what's going on. I, I would, I would, I would know the right thing to do. You know, if it was some somebody else, one of the others in the party, or something like that, it might be a little. He might be a little more hesitant because even you know, even though he met Xanatari, she was sort of in the background compared to the interaction he had, and the direction was mostly coming from the version of himself. So, I think he's got that that streak of pride, and you know, that you know that it coming from himself. You know, it, it's the right thing to do. Whatever you know, whatever hints or or urgings that you know they were given at that point. Plus, it come with, came with a shitload of money, so that always yeah. helps too. But I mean, does, do you think that changed your attitude, Cesar, at all? And the fact that he potentially now is, you know, has lived for decades more. And well, I guess you know he's. I haven't really. It's all been sort of introspective. They haven't really gotten into too much of the whole time thing um, in a roundtable discussion, but. It's he's sort of been tossing around the idea of you know what does this really mean what when they met when he met the future him his future self is there only one path are there multiple you know like is it, it in it rather than it, him from the future is it him from another world another plane something like that and just you know there's a lot of possibilities out there so he's not totally convinced that he's you know just a, a victim of fate or or whatnot but either way if he is he's he can't die for, you know, the foreseeable future. So he's, he's said either way, either he has free will and he can do what he wants or whatever he does, he'll be all right for, for quite some time. So in other words, if a portal to another plane popped up and you weren't sure which one it was, you'd still go exploring. Yeah. Why not? Okay. Um, do me a favor. And since you've been talking about the Paragon path, uh, go ahead uh-huh. and dig up, some of that information so we can put some backstory to that and I'll turn around over to here to Sabray and we can uh, come back to you after Cesar for mm-hmm. a little insight on that. Hey Sabre. Hello. It's been a while since we've had your jack of all trades <laughs> cell phone. Mm-hmm. So give us a little insight on the council that's well, it's, you know, it's funny. It's the Sabre's in a very weird place right now because 
you know, normally her her missions are more like, well, this noble son has run off again. Go bring him back and try not to bruise him so much this time. Or I need this message delivered over here. Go go do it quietly. It's it's a lot of single infiltration in and out, no fuss, no muss. And now this whole mission, you know, they kind of dumped it on her without a lot of detail. She's come through Winter Haven and she had a plan of, okay, I'm going to find these people who are central to these events, find out what they know, see what they're up to, and then try to direct them elsewhere. You know, they don't, they don't know what they're up against. They don't need to go here. I can deal with this. And now she arrives too late to prevent Cesar from being taken. So that's part A out the window. And then Mithrid gets taken. So that's part B out the window. And then everyone starts heading down into the cavern. So it's like she's stuck now. They're too far in. I can't convince them to go anywhere else. So... You know, she's stuck between, all right, I have to figure out what they sent me to do, but here are these people who are on the same road, but I just can't leave them now. And with who and what she is, she has a certain responsibility to protect people. So it's like every plan she had is just kind of right into file 13, and she's kind of now having to make it up as she goes. And being in with a group of people that she's not used to being with, especially a group of humans. Uh, <laughs> I believe the term you're looking for is malcontent. Yes, yes, pretty much. And so now she's having to just figure out each individual person and what their abilities are and what they can do and what they're trying to accomplish. But how can she fit in here and, how can she guide them a little bit so everyone doesn't die horribly? And then, you know, she gets frustrated when it's like she has all this knowledge. And you would think that being an elf, that people would listen to her. Then they go stand in front of a giant elder earth elemental. And she's just ready to pull out her hair going, why are you doing this? No. <laughs> Well, you know, you, you haven't experienced the party to the point that usually trying to lead them from danger puts them right into danger, but, you know, the rest of it just kind of works around. But yeah, do you, do you actually think that they're on the right path? She's point? not, she's not sure at this point. It's like she kind of had an idea of where they were going and what she needed to find out. But it's like between the initial confrontation with, uh, Cesar's kidnappers and then Razor and then everything that led up to that. It's like she hasn't had enough time to stop and kind of get her wits around her to figure out, all right, where are we going and what are we trying to do? And then now we're in this room with, you know, the greatest end of the world machine ever. And she's now we're going to have to figure this out. And yeah, and the other great part of it, it's too, that, you know, we've had all these episodes, but really it's only been like one day yeah. in real time. So it's like there's not – the answers aren't there yet. Mm -hmm. And it's it's having to kind of play that out of her frustration and lack of knowledge and lack of direction. And I think at some point it's going to come to a head. Well, you raise a good point. A lot of our episodes, you know, for us it's a month, a month and a half. 
and literally, okay, we've just crossed the field. But sometimes it's difficult being in the perspective of, no, actually, it's only been really two hours, and you guys have just had, you know, a nice kind of night, and here's all these things that have happened. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is one day with these people, and you've got all this going on. I, I was surprised during the rest period you just didn't poison them all, drag them upstairs, throw them in the outside, and be like, um, hmm. So well, for, for you, for you, would this be considered a trial by fire maybe then by the council with chance of uh, – um, that's not, not, a, not a suicide run, but um, chance for grave bodily injury. <laughs> I think the council in, in her mind – isn't really concerned with her safety at all. I mean, she's an asset that's going to be used to whatever they want her to use. I mean, does that bug her? I think it does partially, but there's things in her past that prevent her from taking a lot of that into account. So, you know, it was kind of funny. I remember I was thinking back to where we started the rest period and there there was almost a conversation that started up between me and Thorne. And I was going to talk about freedom, how, you know, freedom doesn't really exist. We're all bound by something, you know, it's our people, our skills, our nation, our laws, our debts, things of that. And it's like, she's bound by something. And that's kind of what makes her go out and do whatever these people tell her to go do, even though it's, could very well cost her her life. But is she having fun with some of these things that, you know, it, it's, it's not delivering the message, but you've now seen an elder earth elemental. And... I think if she felt a little more sure of where she was going and what she had to work with, there may be some adventureness to her. But like I said, she hasn't had enough time to stop and kind of figure out what's all going on in her head. And, you know, we've gone from extremes of, okay, well, here's some guys we're going to fight. And then, wow, here's this crazy Warforge we're going to fight. And then here's a Umber Hulk. Well, that's kind of out of nowhere. And then, okay, well, here's this Earth Elemental. And then here's this giant evil chest of loaf who... <laughs> what... A, why are we even looking at this? Why haven't we just sealed this room and gone on down the road, you know? Okay, so why are you the one that opened it? If you look at who and what she is, she was she was put in, a, in really the no-win scenario because if she had just stood back and let Thorne open the chest, he probably would have gotten himself killed. And... It's in her mind, she's not sure which was the greater sin, letting him open the try to open the chest and die or try to save his life and help him by opening the chest, even though what she had to do was completely, you know, base and out of character for what she would do. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's the ultimate no-win scenario for her. It's like protect someone or do something you really hate. And it's, it's, it was just one of those where she just didn't have a choice. Cause now we've got this great cliffhanger where you've gone over, thrown the chest open and you know, literally it's like, Oh, hmm, deity. 
<laughs> well, I think before our Skype recording kicked off the, the last time, she was kind of looking at that going, oh, I did not expect that at all. <laughs> you know, and almost as kind of bewildered, just, hmm, okay. It's just the ever-escalation day of, you know, hey, when when do we have a day off where it's just kind of like, look, it's puppies and it's yeah. kittens and I can start a barbecue with my fist. No, it's the underdark. There are no days like that. <laughs> so I got a question for you as a player mm -hmm. in that you started out with us as pretty much a, you were going to be an NPC for maybe an episode or two. Mm -hmm. And you've been brought on board with cast. And there was, you know, all the workup that you had done, you know, prior to, to joining. Do you feel that you are developing yourself as a character or had you known that you were going to be a character versus an NPC, would you have done things any differently? No. Or are you, are you having fun with what you've got right now? I'm, I'm having fun with what I got, but the thing about Sabrina is, is she is an old character of mine. She was probably started probably 18 years ago. And I mean, she was part of this, four year long epic just grand campaign and she's always stuck with me just because of kind of her background and everything and I've refined it over time and, and it's just always stuck with me of something that I wanted to do more with you know it was it was something that I always felt there was more story there to tell and you know, I'd, I'd been knocking around that for a couple months before the opportunity came up, and I thought, well, hey, I've got all this documentation. I'm just going to send it out to him and see what he has to say about it. <laughs> so and, is, it, is, this a, is this a complimentary addition to Sabre's history, or is this like so far out of left field to Sabre that it's almost a new character? No, I think it's really complimentary. I mean, I think there's it, it's kind of meshed really well. It's I think it's meshed better than I thought it would. And the thing that I'm excited about is that there's still, there's still a lot, there's a lot of secrets there. I mean, and I think it's for everyone. Everyone in the cast has secrets. And, you know, like I said, it's just in game, just been one day. So, you know, there's, there's all this, there's a lot more to the, to the tale. And I think it's going to be really fun as assuming we survive. Uh, <laughs> to tell that tale and see where it goes from there because you know there's there's some things that you know I it's going to be interesting playing out so I think it's fun seeing sometimes the notes after the sessions are over during the week that are the equivalent of the under the table paper notes at a pencil and paper game where people are face to face but it's really interesting when you say about the secrets and stuff because it's like I'll get things from you know Xanatari or Thorn or one of the others, and I'll be like, huh, okay, wasn't planning on that idea, but okay, <laughs> we'll go with it. You know, yeah. um, well, that's what you don't see a lot in, I think, a lot of D&D &D campaigns is that people don't take their characters out that far. You know, it's a lot of them take it as just a bunch of stats on paper and, oh, we do a little bit of this, but you know, I've always, that's why I've really liked Spray so much is that, you know, I could see 
from point A to point Z, you know, her whole life. And there's, if you start thinking in those terms and what you can do with that, I think it gives the rest of your party the ability to kind of have fun with that and play with on their own terms. But it also gives the DM a little bit more ability to kind of craft his story around it because I like, I like finding new letters for you guys in the alphabet. (laughs) You know, there's, there's stuff in there that, you know, in her past that, may completely negate some part of the story or some part of the, you know, what you're trying to do. And then there's others where it could be a hindrance. And I think when you know that it gives you a lot more ability to, to have fun with it. Yeah. It's like, um, Xanatari's mind block thing. That's a foil to me left and right, but <laughs> you know, it's still, still able to work in there and there's still ways around it. It's not a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a perfect, uh, mulligan for, well, and, but. and that's too, I mean, you have to be a little bit of flexibility in there too, because I mean, technically by who, by how I've kind of designed her, she, the instant Fluffy came around that corner, she should have been throwing herself right in the <laughs> middle of that. And mm-hmm. I, you know, you kind of have to step back a little bit and go, okay, yeah, that's part of her character. But if I do this, it's <laughs> It's gonna have probably some negative repercussions, so you have to kind of adjust a little bit, pull back. Now you could still have the animosity. Well, that, and, that that scene, that scene where you where your Fluffy was going by, and you're like in an alcove, and just the eyes turn and look at you. Like, that was <laughs> that was gold. Yeah. So you know you have to adjust a little bit, but you could modify it in ways to make it fun. So. Mm-hmm. So. You're known for doing the the flaming hands attack <laughs> as part of your uh, your sword dancing routines and stuff. Is that a historic thing for Sabre, or is that something new that you came up with this with this? No, match? that's uh, that's actually how much they've changed the class since she was designed in Second Edition, and it's that's what's taken me the longest to get used to because in in Second Edition. Bladesingers used spells almost, they were kind of a backup. They weren't part of their main armament. It was more just pure sword play and being able to avoid damage and dance in and out. And with fourth edition, they've changed it so much to where the melee attack is more the trigger for the, the secondary spells. So, you know, if you get a good melee, if you hit with a melee attack, it automatically triggers. There's like four different spells you can pick from there. So I just kind of threw that in there as more of a flavor to kind of say, you know, instead of just, oh, well, he catches on fire or something. It's like, how is she dancing around? Is she going to deliver this next spell? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, in fourth edition, or I'm sorry, second edition, at 10th level, she had four attacks per round. I mean, it was two with each hand. Yep. And then there was a little book that came out called Combat and Tactics, which brought in the concept of weapon mastery and weapon proficiency. And by 15th level, she had eight attacks per round. <laughs> and at that point she would have had to roll a one to miss. I mean, it's that it was just that ridiculous and all these bonuses to damage. And 
uh, you know, I kind of like some of the changes they've made. There's some things I don't necessarily agree with, but you know, it's still, it, it's got the core of what the class is to me. But I mean, in our first season, we were very much, well, mostly by the book in terms of it was more of a, a rules oriented, still house rules, but it was still kind of more of a technical thing versus a story. But now we've got the story elements. So I think that Sabre having these unique attacks or flavors works well without having to go and look up a lot of things in terms of a combat tactics book or yeah. something along those lines. So it's a, ma- a balancing point on my end of story versus making sure that you guys don't feel gypped because a lot of parties by your point in time would have so much more magic items or different powers that when I do give out upgrades, I try to make them meaningful. And, you know, this was discussed last week. So I'm giving you the opportunity to, to say something here about that. You know, do you guys feel that you're getting gypped in terms of your characters or by this method? Or do you feel that you're maintaining a uniqueness and sense of power? I mean, I, that's the game. This game isn't about that to me. Like, you know, it's, it's about what we're, telling and you know our interactions with each other and with what we come across i mean you know i could see if you know we were very focused on you know i mean we don't even use a a grid and like so much of the powers and the abilities have to do with movement and tactical movement and things like that so i mean it's a different kind of game so i don't feel that lack at all in terms of you know i want where's my level seven magic item and my level eight magic boots and so like it doesn't and i don't feel that that loss at all no i can't wait till you under i can't wait till you figure out what that ring is though (laughs) (laughs) no and i think you know part of the thing with magic the more i've kind of thought about it is that it's it, it can have almost a detrimental effect i think with gear as you know i've listened to some other pod D &D podcasts and that have these incredibly geared players and like the DM has to throw almost unbeatable odds at them. And it's like, eh, you know, I like close combat, but you know, the sense of death in every encounter doesn't feel that heroic. You know, it's like sometimes you got to beat the crap out of some guys just to, you know, cause that's who you are. Well, you, you also come pretty, pretty well uh, kitted out as well. Sabre with your, Armor of ironing and you know, <laughs> backpacking yeah. and stuff. So you know you're you're doing you're doing pretty good, but yeah, but a lot of that's flavor though, which is yeah. kind of fun. You know, and I think that's that's the yeah. thing with her. And you know, to me, the elven race is more. You know, they put a lot more thought into things. It's more form and function, and you know, it should be a little more flamboyant than most. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Cesar has some of that, you know, stuff just for flavor's sake, like with all of the stuff that he makes and things that he uses. Like, I have none of that's represented in things that he bought with his starting gold or anything like that. It's just ways that I've explained, you know, how we accomplish things. And, you know, it's it's not like I, you know, oh, in the middle of combat, I here's I I create a mechanical golem who's ten feet high and can you know stomp <laughs> on enemies. You know, it's it's more for you know just showing how he's not just some guy. You know? Yeah, I, I like the automatic 
well, not the automatic, but the the bomb disposal uh-huh. mm-hmm. droid that kind of goes flipping out, and it's about six, you know, six inches long and stuff like that, and goes and does its thing. Yeah, it, it's it's playing it's playing your class without it, as you say, forming Voltron and doing something that's completely out right. of the wait. Where did that come from? And, and no, you know, that's... and you know, but... feeling free to do that is you know comes from getting a sense with what you're you're comfortable with, and to be in in some senses what you you know uh, encourage. As a DM, some would shut that down immediately and say, "You don't have that. That you can't use that." You know, but for you know this this game that we're doing, that that type of thing, I feel is you know something that we're encouraged to do. So it, you know, it's a sense of comfort with being able to say, "Okay, what can I come up with right now that could be pretty cool without you know being game breaking or whatever." Yeah, and there's always an you know if I have a question about it, there's always an answer to it that's you know there to be considered, <laughs> which is good, but. Um, a lot of times it's, as you say, there's nothing in a rule book that talks about a single thing that's done one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And does it feel like it flows with the story or completely doesn't make sense? And that, you know, I think if it completely didn't make sense to the story, then that's where I'd probably wind up I mean, in and asking more questions than I do. And I think, it, you know, it all can be put within the rules in the sense of like, I can still make this, but I believe I still had to make skill checks mm-hmm. to do the things mm-hmm. that I was doing. So it's yeah. all within, you know, the constraints of my character and, and the level that we're at, you know, any, anything that we do is there's still some like the shell of rules that you can put around it, but you can pile on as much flavor as you want. Really. You know, you can make, I could, you know, maybe could make this giant Voltron thing, but then my skill check would be literally unbeatable. And so it would just <laughs> fall apart or fall right. on me or something. Yeah, you haven't you haven't made the Gatling gun of uh, fireballs yet. Though. Yeah, exactly. Like, where did you get that power from? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's in the you? Sears catalog. <laughs> Hack me. Yeah. What about you, Sabre? Do you do you feel comfortable uh, expressing your your character in this group of yeah, players and stuff? I think I'm getting better at it. I think the biggest thing that I've had to overcome is. Just the whole Skype thing. I mean, you know, normally it's around a kitchen table or sofas, and that's what I'm used to doing. And, you know, I think I'm becoming more and more comfortable with it as time goes on, you know, and, uh, as we're getting more used to each other and the story kind of blends her in there, I'm able to kind of pull stuff out of my head and, you know, do it. I mean, the whole thing with the chest between me and Thorn, I mean, that, I think that came out exceedingly well um, mm-hmm. and that was literally some stuff that we came up with like over email about 15 minutes before the episode started <laughs> I, I think you guys tossed out a good half of whatever you had planned and wing, winged most of it well there it was kind of funny there was some stuff that Thorne and I were going back and forth on and you know I kind of told him up front I said there's going to be a limit to what she's going to be willing to do <laughs> and I said you know, there's there's gonna come a point where she's not gonna go any further. And I said, I want to kind of weave that in. Let me know what you think. And we kind of went back and forth. And I think we came out with a with a good compromise. I don't know that mm-hmm. we threw a lot of stuff out. I think we were just, you know, for time's sake, we didn't want the whole thing to last like twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. So, but it's fun because uh, this season and. Um we're now, since we're now in the third season, but the second and third season so far has been more about you guys wanting to break out from under the 
DM leads you here, DM leads you there kind of leash thing to having these role play interactions. And from my viewpoint, I've been really pleased with what you guys have been doing. Um, I think the party, as far as a bunch of misfits, has proven its strength, shown its weaknesses. Where, where do you think that next great epic point is going to be? You've had a lot of things happening so far, but where do you think that next grand corner for the party is going to happen at? I think for me, it's going to be, we're going to get to a point to where we're either going to run into, you know, an entire drow city somewhere that we're going to, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those cinematic moments where, we're wading our way through this cave and all of a sudden we come into this vast vista of the city and all kind of look at each other and go, Oh crap. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, we're going to come into some kind of facility or some kind of temple or something like that. And it's like, okay, this kind of looks like what we were looking for. Let's see what happens, you know, and you dive into that and kind of figure out what happens and, Maybe it goes well and maybe it doesn't. I mean, you know, it's, you never know what you're going to find. Seeing the impact it has both on us personally as individuals in a party and as on the world as a whole, really. Because, mm-hmm. you know, this is a significant force we're going up against within, you know, the local, at least, you know, geography and, you know, the fact that they... In the city above, they have this whole portal opening devoted to keeping out this invading force. And, you know, it's, you know, seeing how that, you know, sort of kind of how, you know, what we did in the first season in the, uh, uh, what was it? The fortress or whatever. Keep the Shadowfell. The keep, right. You know, how that affected Shadowfell or, or Winterhaven rather. You know, and how how it then affected us in that town, you know, seeing how, you know, this, you know, quest that we're on affects the the world around us there with what, however it it resolves. So you guys are now, let's see, um, you have a uh, adventurous company in Winterhaven, your local players within Winterhaven, now developing a regional reputation based upon that you have citizenship with the exclusion of sabre in the city above which uh has things that will happen to it that you're we haven't gotten to yet so two-part question do you think that the party would ever a be not stubborn enough to just simply look at a challenge and walk away. Like, you know, you walk out to the Vista, you see the Drow City, do you just kind of turn around and go, no, we we didn't actually find it, but you you really want to put that door back where it was. <laughs> it's, it's kind of drafty in here, burr. Or would, you, would, would the party actually attempt to propel itself to maybe the, the equivalent of, instead of just the state, but maybe the the tri-state or regional or continental, whatever, or even world stage in terms of players, because 
there's those names out there that the party may or may not be aware of, you know, the Elminsters, the, you know, Carabins, all these different things where you get to a point where you get noticed and even stranger crap happens. Do you see the party staying either in terms of within what they're comfortable with? Or do you see them actually going after, if given the opportunity, a, a world, let alone a planner stage? Because I, I know I'd love to take you guys off to the plane sometime, but that would just be like, wow, okay, well, you just found the furnace for the elemental plane of fire, Thorn pushes a button, and it's now, <laughs> well, the negative material plane, negative energy plane is now bigger because the other one got snuffed out. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you know, how much responsibility do you guys do you guys want on your heads? I mean, I think that depends on who you ask. Um, yeah, I don't. You too. <laughs> I meant who in the you know what characters you know for for Caesar he doesn't really see this as I am a savior for this this region or you know want to be a, a a source of. Aside from what that gains him, you know, he's happy to be a hero of of Winterhaven. That worked out pretty well for the month or so of partying that he had there. Um, so in, it's really about what what's in it for him. You know, if he sees a benefit to it, that that it makes sense to look at a larger grand scheme, either for personal benefit or for further further knowledge, further insight, or um, there's all, like I said before, there's always that back burner of that, you know, that nation that kept him underfoot for the vast majority of his life, you know, seeing some sort of greater stride towards the, the type of vengeance that he would feel would be appropriate, which would be total vengeance. Is there a benefit too big for Caesar? No. No. What? No. Sabre? Okay. <laughs> I, I think for her, it's going to be her duty that's going to drive her the most. I mean, she's she's got this task and she's going to do it no matter what gets put in her way. And now she's kind of thrown into another scenario of having three other lives that she's going to have to try to protect. Sabre like is like the mother duck. Almost, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> like. Now she she can't convince them to go the other way, you know. <laughs> now she's going to have to try to keep them out of trouble. And... I, I I can't I can't wait until uh, Sabre actually gets to experience one of Xanatari's uh, inquisitive torture sessions on a creature. <laughs> air quotes. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I'm 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 sure I'm sure Sabre ran into the charred now shrine mm-hmm. of the. That that drought that got fried out there, and I, I, you know, you can guesstimate as to who caused it. But looking at the party, would you actually look at Xanatari and go, "Wow, she's a sadistic something"? If she, you know, rocks some lightning down, <laughs> it was part of the tour. Uh, <laughs> no, I think that's the thing she's going to be figuring out. I mean, that's like I said, she's going to have to kind of figure out what each party members strength and weaknesses are what their motivation are is and then how she can kind of fit all this together to try to get to this end goal whatever it is and i think the story will drive a lot of that as time goes on i mean 
you're going to get into these scenarios where they'll things that are they're going to put everyone into different positions. I think that will reveal a lot of that. And you know, there may be some heated discussions. I mean, there may be some times that she's just going to put her foot down and go, "No, we're not. This isn't going to happen." And that's been effective for you so far, hasn't it? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. I mean. So, so who do you, who who do you underestimate the most at this point? I think probably at this point it's probably Cesar because the whole concept of the mechanical is so foreign to her, and she just she sees the what he's done with it, but it's just so outside of her scope of experience that she doesn't ultimately know what it's going to do. So, I think. He's going to pull out some whiz-bang invention, and it's just still going to blow her mind. She's going to be, I mean, it's just going to freak her out a little more. But I think as time goes by, that may change a little bit the more and more she sees of it. Which which of the characters uh, keeps you awake at night? Either Thorn. in fear or dread. Okay. Thorn. After throwing himself in front of the Elder Earth Elemental, yeah, that she's just... That's probably the one thing that sticks out in her mind at the moment. It's like, okay, why here, we didn't have to? T- <laughs> here, 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 here's a challenging one for you. Your Sabre struck blind. Who does she have lead? Whose hand? Whose hand uh, does she put her on? No, which which, oh, which shoulder does she take in her hand? Jeez. Or would she? I don't know. That's a tough question. I don't know that I've ever been in the position to think about that. I mean, she is pretty fiercely independent, but... Fluffy. Yeah, that that would probably... (laughs) That would be the ultimate irony now, wouldn't it? Well, you know, you got many, many eyes for the seeing eye (laughs) portion. strap you up on top there. (laughs) You know, I think it would have to depend on what happened. You know, the scenario in which it came down. You know, I'd have to really think about it. I don't okay. know that I have a good answer for you at the moment. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Cesar. Mm. You got anything in terms of stuff you want to say in wrapping this thing up? or? Uh... I want to keep going. <laughs> it's been too long. Need more story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every- it's hard. It's hard to just just you know keeping the thread of things. You know, it, right. I've tried to keep notes as we're going, but I'm very bad at it. So, in terms of referring back to things when we keep going, it's like I know that there's things that you know we miss, but you know, it's just I want to get back in there. Because I'm I'm shocked because I I'm constantly tweaking the RSS feeds and stuff to you know make things more and more compatible, and I'll go back and I'll go wait we did that episode I thought that episode was before this one or wait it's been a year since we've done this or <laughs> so it's definitely something to keep going and from what I've heard from the listeners is the don't you dare stop. <laughs> and I think yeah. it's I think it's even more funny with a podcast that we expected maybe six episodes out of, and that was going to be the fun 
mm-hmm. the fun little bit, but I just it's just the the sense of how what we've been doing so far. It always strikes me as so weird that I started this character with the group only in I think it was episode seventeen. It feels like uh, so much more of it was before I was before Cesar joined, but that's like you know, you know, uh, we up, up to episode a hundred. Like it feels like a, a larger percentage was without him there for some reason to me. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we've had a very interesting rotation of cast through <laughs> through the times and stuff. So we we definitely get some churn in the water. Yeah, but just this little bit or that little bit or the days when Daros could go through and wipe out an entire party of orcs by himself. <laughs> uh. So, any closing comments from either of you? We're up to about now 50 minutes or so, and I think that makes a very nice little snippet. Yeah. I'm excited about where we're going to go from here. I mean, it's... Uh... You know, it's going to be fun to get through and see where these roads take us and how we're going to react to them. Okay. And I think what we have upcoming is this snippet will come out sometime in the next week or two. We'll have Rabbit's Recap, as I mentioned before, and then Mm -hmm. we're going to be recording episode 100, hopefully um, the Friday of Easter weekend. So I hope that people continue to uh, join in every week with us, send us feedback, maybe have a couple more meet and greets with listeners. But I'd like to get back onto the story lines versus this fragmentation of side things for a little bit and give some people some concentrated story for a bit. So that's where, from my viewpoint, I'm going to try and point things towards. Cool. So, with that, thank you for listening. Normally I toss it to Xanatari to take us out, but in this point, I'm just going to do that. So, good night, everyone.